0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the altar in the holy place, as we pick up in Exodus chapter 30, verse
1: 1. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Thou shalt make an altar to burn the incense upon Of acacia wood shalt thou make it. And it's to be 18 by 18 and 45 inches high. This is the little altar that was set in the holy place before the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides round about and the horns thereof. And so it's a little altar only of gold and it's to burn incense, a sweet smelling savor again before God and the rings in it so that they can uh, carry it with the golden staves that are through it. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresses the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lights the lamps in the evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. So along with uh, the putting of the oil in the lampstands to keep them burning morning and evening there was also the putting of the incense on this little altar so in this holy of holies there was always the sweet smell of incense burning and the lamps that were burning it was just unto the lord there perpetually and ye shall offer no strange incense thereon nor burnt sacrifice or meat offerings, neither shall you pour drink offerings thereon. It was just a little incense altar and nothing else on it. And Aaron shall make an atonement or a covering upon the horns of it once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it, Yom Kippur, actually the day of atonement, throughout your generations it is the most holy unto the Lord. And the Lord's speaking unto Moses saying when you take the census, of the children of Israel, after their number, then shall you give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord, when you numbering them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This they shall give, every one that passes among them that are numbered, a half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel is twenty gerahs, and a half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. And everyone that passeth among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less than a half a shekel when they give an offering to the Lord Thou shalt make a covering for your souls. And thou shalt take the atonement or covering money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make a covering for your souls. So, They did not actually take a census as such. They were forbidden by God to number the people. But once a year, every man above 20 years old had to give a half shekel. So they'd count the half shekels and they'd know how many people there were. But uh, no census because that was forbidden. But this was the way of taking the census actually. Every man gave a half of a shekel which was to actually purchase the the lambs and the offerings and to keep, you know, things functioning there. The rich were not to give more, the poor were not to give less. It was a half shekel for everybody. No favoritism because a person was rich, just everyone giving the same amount. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also Make a laver of brass and his foot also of brass to wash, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water in it. So, this big bathtub, a brass tub uh, for the washing of the priest, and that was before the uh, as they would come into the gate of this little enclosure. The first thing was this brass tub to wash in, and then next, the brass altar and then the tabernacle itself where they would go in. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet, and when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not, or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire to the Lord. So here is again an occupational hazard. They forget to wash before they go in. They get wiped out. Now, this could be what happened to Aaron's sons. It could be that they just got excited when they saw the fire of God and ran in there without washing and got wiped out. Or it could be that they had been drinking some wine and were under false stimulant because later on, after they died, God said to Moses, tell Aaron that neither he nor his sons were to drink any wine or strong drink when they offered the Lord lest they die. So, very hazardous job being a priest in those days. So they shall wash their hands, their feet, that they dine on, and it shall be a statute forever. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, And now this is the anointing oil, and how they were to make it. Thou shalt also take these principal spices, myrrh, 500 shekels, sweet cinnamon, 250 shekels, and sweet calamus, 250 shekels, of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of oil and hin, A hin is about six quarts. And the shekel is about 65 cents worth. So 65 cents worth of myrrh, or 65 times 500. 65 cents times 500. Now, so make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compounded after the art of the apothecary, the druggist, It shall be a holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation with it, and the ark of testimony, and the table, and all the vessels, the candlesticks and all the vessels, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and the vessels, and the laver with his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy, and whatsoever touches them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout all your generations. Among man's flesh shall it not be poured. Neither shall you make any other like it after the composition of it. It is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. Whosoever will compound anything like it, or whosoever puts any of it upon a stranger shall even be cut off from his people." Now, as I was first reading through the Bible and I was reading of this oil and all, I thought, oh, that would be interesting to go ahead and and put together these spices and and make some of this oil. Until I got down to the verse 32 and then I decided not to do it. And the Lord said unto Moses, take unto these sweet spices, I'm not going to even try their names, and make a perfume. After the art of the apothecary, tempered together pure and holy, and thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put it in before the testimony of the tabernacle and the congregation where I will meet with thee, and it shall be unto you most holy. As for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make it to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. So a separate oil, a separate perfume, only to be used for God. Whosoever shall make anything like unto the smell of it shall be cut off from his people." The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass. So, now God has anointed Bezaleel." and given him certain talents and abilities. It is marvelous to see people who have just innate abilities and talents that have been given to them by God. It's just in them. It's it's encoded, I think, in their gene structures. There are some people that just have natural music ability. And I don't care how hard you study music, you can never achieve what they have achieved just through natural innate ability. There are people who are natural linguists. Languages just come naturally to them. One of the translators of King James, and I'm gonna bring you some lessons on the King James translations one of these days and show you why I am opposed to anything other than the King James Translation. Why I believe that it was inspired of God like no other translation has been since. There is an endeavor to put down the scholarship of the King James Translation. But I'm going to show you some interesting facts of history of what really happened to translations. And I'm going to show you the error of the reasoning of Westcott and Hort, who created the text from which all modern translations are taken, basing what they said the most ancient manuscripts would be the more correct manuscripts. I'm going to show you the fallacy of their reasoning. A conspiracy of Satan to rob us from the true word of God. And I'll be showing you the errors of a lot of these modern translations because they were taken from Westcott and Hart. Now the New King James. They've gone back to Textus Receptus. This is one of the best things that has happened in translation. Because I believe that the Textus Receptus is closer to the original text than anything else. I think that the Westcott and Hort text is a gigantic perversion of Satan to rob from the deity of Jesus Christ because of the Aryan influence in the early church and of the 50 copies that were made in Alexandria in which they deliberately perverted and changed the scriptures that had to do with the deity of Jesus Christ from which came the Codex Sinaiticus, the Codex Vaticanus, and also the Vulgate, for Jerome used it in his translation. And I'll show you where the true translations came from, the church of Antioch, which was interested in keeping the purity of the Scriptures. Quite a bit there to learn and to know. Don't let anybody put down your King James. There are some 1,128 changes in the revised standard that are horrible. They are doing away with the deity of Christ. I do not respect or admire the so-called scholarship of Westcott and Hort. I think they were a couple of big plants. They put down the scholarship of King James, and this is where I was started. One of the translators of King James could read and write Hebrew when he was five years old. A natural linguist could converse in 45 different languages. Now, some people are just born with that ability. Some people are born with mathematic ability. Some people are born with electronic abilities. Some people are born with artistic abilities. There are certain innate abilities that men have. Now, these innate abilities actually come as a gift from God. What you do with them is up to you, but it's tragic when a person takes an ability given to him by God and prostitutes it for his own profit or gain. Whatever God has given to us, He has given to us to use for His glory. Languages were the hardest thing in the world for me. I struggled with languages. It didn't come easy at all. And yet some people just have no problem with language. And the study of foreign languages just comes so easy for them. It's just an inward gift. It's just something that is there I've been looking for what God has gifted me with for a long time One of these days I hope to find it But I'm just Mr. Plain Normal But I love to see people who have been gifted of God I love to see an artist, really gifted artist As they're drawing or as as they're working It it, to me is just fascinating I love to watch a, a, a gifted carpenter People who have just been given that innate ability to do things. Now God said, I've put my spirit on Basileel for skillful, cunning work. This fellow was just anointed of God to be the superintendent and to oversee, to make sure it was all done right. And, and that to me is glorious, that, that God has so gifted people in various areas. Now that's where the body is neat. Because as we are here in the body, we have every kind of gift imaginable here within the body. There's really probably nothing that we can't do collectively. We announced the problem with the brakes on the truck up at camp. A fellow came out and said, Well, I drive a truck and I'll take my toolbox. He went up and fixed the brakes. That's neat. If I'd have gone up there to look at the brakes, I wouldn't have known where to start looking. And so it's glorious that God has brought together collectively in all of us probably the abilities and the talents for just about anything. The whole body concept is beautiful because as we pool the resources together, oh, so much can be accomplished for God with a pooling of our combined abilities and talents. And that's what God intends is that we each put our part in and the body is composed of many parts and not all parts do the same thing your hands can't do what your feet were designed to do your feet can't do what your hands were designed to do but each part is important to the functioning of the body and so here we are, the body of Christ, and God has you here for a plan and for a purpose, your place within the body to fill that place. And when the need arises in which God has given you those special talents and abilities, you can step in and say, well, hey, I can do that. You know, there's none of that. Oh, yes, there is something to that if you don't know anything about it, if you haven't been talented by God in that area. So the collective pooling of the resources Our talents, as we anoint, give them to God and let them be anointed of their spirit because always, always, your talent will find its greatest release when anointed of God's spirit and doing the work of God. And anything less will always be a little unsatisfactory. You won't have a total sense of fulfillment until you've consecrated to God, let Him anoint it, and let Him use it. And then, oh, the glory that comes from consecrating my talent to God and letting Him use it for His glory. It's really great. So, Bezaleel, a man anointed to devise the cunning works, to work in gold, silver, brass. He's just a natural at it. In cutting of stones, carving the timber, and in working all kinds of workmanship. A guy just skilled with his hands. And I had given with him a holy of... From the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee, the tabernacle of the congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat, the furniture of the tabernacle, the table, and all of these things. God just gave these fellows this abilities and wisdom. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath shall ye keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the sabbath therefore. It is holy unto you. Everyone that defiles it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever death doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord, Whosoever doeth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Capital punishment. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and the seventh day he rested and was refreshed, and so he gave unto Moses, and he made an end of the communion with him on Mount Sinai. Gave him the two tables of testimony, the tables of stone, written with the finger of God. Now, notice on the Sabbath day that it is a definite covenant between God and the nation Israel for their generations, between me and Israel forever. The Sabbath was not a law made for the Gentile. And nowhere in the Scripture, except where a Gentile would move in to Israel, was he to observe the Sabbath. But the Gentile church was never placed under the Sabbath law in the Scriptures. And in the early church, when there was an endeavor to put the Gentile church under the law, a Council was called in Jerusalem in which it was determined that they should not try to put the Gentiles under the law which Peter called a yoke of bondage which neither we nor our fathers were able to keep. Why should we tie it on the necks of the Gentiles? And so when they wrote to them the Gentile church of Antioch concerning its relationship to the law of Moses they said keep yourself from fornication and from things that are strangled And if you do this, you do well. God bless you. But nothing about the observance of the Sabbath day. And thus, Paul the Apostle said in Romans 14, One one man esteems one day above another, another man esteems every day alike. Let everyone be fully persuaded in his own mind. In Colossians he said, Therefore let no man judge you in respect to Sabbath days, new moons, holy days, which we're all a-
0: we'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 30-31 through when visiting the thewordfortoday.org. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you. May the Lord watch over you this week. May the Lord bless you. May He fill you with His love, with His Spirit, with His grace. That you might manifest the Spirit, the nature of Jesus Christ in your relationship with others. That you might walk, even as he walked in Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in You. I'll always believe in You.
1: It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. and That is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea, It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.